Hi, this is Scott Walker, and you can't recall courage. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm actually on the road in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we're speaking to the American Legislative Exchange Council later this morning. And um, appreciate the chance to check in. It was great actually seeing a number of folks from Wisconsin and people from all over this country and a lot of great common sense conservative ideas being talked about. Uh, that's a stark contrast when you think about our leaders at the state level to the nonsense happening in our nation's capital. And this week, I want to talk a little bit about the parallels between Washington and what we saw years ago in Wisconsin. Remember, I, I think more than anything, liberals, those on the far left of the party, which are increasingly almost everyone in the Democrat Party today, liberals are overreaching with impeachment, just like they did years ago in Wisconsin in my recall election. It could cost them the 2020 election. Remember, a lot of folks don't report this, but on November 2nd, 2010, I won the first of my three elections for governor in Wisconsin. But, but here's the part that wasn't recorded, at least not common known, commonly known. That same day, the actual day of my election in the first election in 2010, someone actually registered the domain name recallscottwalker.com. Now, it just was further evidence that they are out to get me from day one. This is just one of the many, many striking similarities between the current impeachment process in Washington and the recall election in Wisconsin. I think it's been pretty clear. Since Donald Trump was elected president on November 6, 2016, liberals and many in the media have been preparing to impeach him. I can still remember running into protesters in Washington, D.C., the, the actual day after the inauguration. I mean, there were still people, in some cases, probably staggering home from some of the post-inaugural ball parties as they were bumping into people, really coming together in mass for the march that took place less than 24 hours after the president and vice president took the oath of office. In Wisconsin, I, I took office on January 3rd, 2011. It wasn't long after that, more than 100,000 protesters eventually occupied our state capitol. I have to joke that the recall or the uh, Occupy movement didn't start in Wall Street. It started on my street, Madison, Wisconsin. And it wasn't until we eventually won our battles that they moved on and made their way to Wall Street and elsewhere around the country. This is similar to what we see with the president. Remember Congressman Al Green, the Democrat from Texas, who's now pushing for impeachment for the fourth time. He started it early on in 2017 after President Trump took, first took office. Remember, he was the one earlier this year who said, I quote, I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he'll get reelected, unquote. There are others like that. I mean, hours after being sworn into Congress, uh, first term representative, U.S. representative uh, Rashida Tlaib said, we're going to impeach the mother. You know what the rest is. She actually then subsequently had T-shirts made on that said impeach the MF. I mean, these are people who, who really have just been looking for an excuse for this. I know along the way, I remember the, the night when President Trump gave his first address to a joint session in the Congress. I was on TV that night doing an interview with Fox News host Neil Cavuto. And Neil asked me, uh, he mentioned uh, that evening as we were preparing, uh, uh, commenting on what we expected and what I'd hoped to hear from the president. He mentioned to me this news update that several members of Congress were going to boycott, boycott the president's speech. He wanted to know if I'd ever heard of such a thing, thinking that it was outrageous. And I said, yes, yes, I actually had. And of course, he laughed because Neil was right there in the thick of things, having interviewed me many a time in Madison during the height of the protest and the recall, recall election. 
he knew exactly what I was talking about because I knew what the president was going through, albeit on a smaller scale at the state level. I remember shortly after the protest started, 14 Senate Democrats left the state to block a vote on our reforms. They fled to our neighboring state of Illinois, which actually probably is kind of appropriate because in that state there's, there's a large number of left-wing politicians who are afraid to make tough decisions to balance their budget and improve the economy. Having said that, though, and I gave my budget address that evening to the members of the state legislature, all the Senate Democrats were gone. Not long after that, one of my favorite bumper stickers came from my friends Sean and Rachel Duffy, who gave me a sticker saying, One Walker Beats 14 Runners. Now, looking at the process here in our nation's capital, after months of saying that the impeachment process must be bipartisan to move forward, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, of course, announced the impeachment inquiry on the the very day that President Trump was speaking in front of world leaders at the United Nations in New York City. What was amazing to me, although I guess not surprising, was that she hadn't even seen the transcript of the call between the President of the United States and the President of Ukraine. Yet here she was, announcing an inquiry. During the protest in Wisconsin leading up to my recall, numerous voices on the left suggested that the effort might actually backfire. In fact, there were some at the time who urged Democrats to wait for the 2014 re-election and somehow then use the energy of the protest to elect a new Democrat governor. They didn't like the idea of, of pushing it with a recall, thinking it might backfire. Well, much like that, that same situation, we see uh, there are some Democrats suggesting that this might backfire on them. In fact, Pelosi herself, earlier in the year, I think was suggesting these rather... Um, defined uh, well, kind of the criteria she was talking about needing to be bipartisan, uh, laying out clear contract, clear, I should say clear uh, stipulations as to how they would go forward. I think that was being done largely to protect many of the first-term vulnerable incumbents, many of whom had won in Republican and even in areas that the president himself had carried in the 2016 election. They won in 2018 saying they were going to put the country ahead of the party. Yet here they were in a position where they might actually have to vote on the whole process of impeachment. So early on, Pelosi was trying to protect them. But but I think her switch suggests things very much like what we saw with the recall in Wisconsin. Liberal extremists took over the moment. They wanted They wanted blood and they wanted it right away. You see, many of these activists lived in liberal enclaves like Madison, Wisconsin. I remember years ago, Governor, then Governor Lee Sherman Dreyfus called the capital city in my state 30 square miles surrounded by reality. The only thing that's changed since then is the size of the city. One of the few supporters I had on the staff of the University of Wisconsin in Madison back during the protest and leading up to the recall told me that he really was depressed because on campus and around town, all he saw were recall walker signs. He did tell me about the weekend when his attitude changed when he and his wife took a drive to a town miles away, and as they crossed the county line, they began to notice a distinctive change. And Instead of recall walker signs, there were we stand with walker signs everywhere along their journey. It was then that they realized we had a fighting chance. I think in many ways the same is true today. Support or disdain for the president generally matches the geography of the election night map in 2016. Protesters from liberal enclaves like New York City 
Washington, D.C., and San Francisco believe that everyone hates the president. You know, all their friends and co-workers share that sentiment, or, or at least those that aren't afraid to say otherwise. And the same, I think, is true with many of their friends and followers in social media. Increasingly, you saw it after Bush and then after me here in Wisconsin, and, and now with this president more than any other before, that people push out friends and voices and others that they disagree with. So all they're hearing from is the same echo chamber. It's, it's pretty interesting. In fact, during the protest and during the recall campaign in Wisconsin, we saw incredibly favorable coverage for the opposition. Now, of course, President Trump has to deal with elements of the so-called fake news every day, in fact, sometimes multiple times a day. And it goes beyond traditional media outlets. Increasingly, people on social media tend to pick the news that associates with their point of view. In the end, the protest and ultimately the recall energized our base in Wisconsin. Surprisingly, it also turned off a majority of independent voters. They believed the process was not fair. We won the recall election with more votes, more votes on a June 5th, 2012 recall election than we had in the original election in November of 2010. We not only carried Republicans uh, by a strong margin, we actually carried the majority of independent voters. I believe the same thing can happen with President Trump. Recent polls in Wisconsin, the Marquette University Law School poll here and other polls in battleground states across the country suggest that Democrats might very well have overplayed their hand. The public is growing increasingly frustrated with the do-nothing Democrats in Congress. It only got worse this week when you saw the Stanford law professor go out of her way to, to take a shot inadvertently at the president's youngest son, his 13-year-old son, at, at the time she was trying to attack the president. And it brought back memories of, to me of when protesters in Wisconsin at one point got so out of hand, they, they literally showed up as zombies to try and interrupt a Special Olympics ceremony, what's called the Law Enforcement Torch Run for Special Olympics, out on the corner of the Capitol Square. I think in that instance, people started to look at the protesters, and no matter what they thought about exactly the things I had done or, or all of the policy decisions I had made, they clearly looked at each other and said, that's not how people act in Wisconsin. That's not how people act in the Midwest. I think with the anger exhibited in the attempt to not just to, to belittle the president, but, but how, even after the apology, how this, uh, this example of this Stanford law professor just kind of missing the point to begin with, that, that good and decent people don't do things like that. They don't draw children into the equation. I don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican. I mean, to me, I think Republicans knew that uh, President Obama and Miss Obama's children uh, were, were, as minors, were off the, the table. You weren't going to talk about them. And the same thing should be true with uh, President and Mrs. Trump's 13-year-old son. I think all this, though, started starting down the same path that we saw at the recall election. As we saw at that recall campaign, I think the president should continue to show how he's fighting for the American people and winning. Not only will this energize Republicans, but I believe just as it did in Wisconsin, it will remind independents about what really is at stake in the 2020 elections. I'm Scott Walker. Thanks for joining us on another edition of You Can't Recall Courage. And uh, until next time, keep fighting for freedom.